0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Athletes Resource. Um, really struggling with consistent podcasts here, but hey, that's all right. That's okay. We're, you know, we're we're doing magic uh, on the other side of the podcast. Joining me today is a uh, a friend, a very accomplished weightlifter, um, an all-around great person. Jen Schaefer
1: well that is lovely thanks Pete <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I really feel the need to build people up <laughs> to get started <laughs> um, there was a a lot of reasons that I wanted to ask you to be on the show um, one is getting getting a female voice on here
1: I appreciate that
0: Yeah. and because um, I, I don't know what that's like you know
1: uh, to be a female athlete is, I would imagine, vastly different than uh, than being a male athlete.
0: Why might that be? Well, I would <laughs> say both
1: in the positive and the negative, right? So, um, what would be an exceptional female athlete? You know, I'll I'll be honest and say, as someone who is knocking on fifty, the range of women my size and my age who compete. It's a pretty small pool sometimes. Um, so not true of my male counterparts, right? So there's there's more people in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'll be st- straightforward and say that. Conversely, it's pretty lonely mm. because men have many more s- supports socially um, to continue to be an athlete um, well beyond... Collegiate years. Um, we're just much more socialized to see males as athletes, mm-hmm. um, particularly as women age. You know, there's there's a lot of pushback on female athletes for choosing to train or choosing to compete instead of more soft traditional ways of finding friends, engaging with others, mm-hmm. spending free time.
0: Have you actually experienced that yourself? Very much. Yeah. Do you feel open in <laughs> sharing an example?
1: Um, Sure. I mean, oftentimes I'm seen as the anomaly in social circles when uh, I'm introduced to new women, you know, on one side they think, oh, oh that's pretty amazing. You know, um, it's great how and, are
0: you introduced
1: um people will generally comment on my arms more than anything yeah, muscles and i i have some pretty good shoulders um and so people will ask about it mm-hmm. oh how do you have arms like that i've always wanted arms like that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and there's nothing all that exceptional to them if i were 25 mm-hmm. <laughs> so um you know, so I, I open up conversations. Oh, I like to, you know, I like to lift weights and, you know, I'm a competitive athlete and people are like, Oh, that's, that's great. But they're not really interested in being part of that. And they're like, well, it's not, it doesn't sound like fun to them. Mm. Right. So, um, I'm sort of seen as a little different. Um, so most of my friends are younger because it's, a little bit more common for women in their 20s and 30s yeah. to be competitive athletes. And that's who I spend a lot of my free time with. With the exception of uh, one of my teammates who is 60. Okay. Lesser.
0: So I can see why you say it's lonely.
1: It's pretty lonely.
0: You're, you're breaking a social norm. Yes. The norm is what?
1: Um, the norm is a little bit more passive. Yes. Um, and the norm is to, uh, tamp down the competitive spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and with all that goes on for a lot of women my age, um, it's very easy to put yourself last and it's sort of seen as selfish to do otherwise. Yeah.
0: Well, it is. I think this is where, you know, uh, I've had to take an, and I can only speak personally, but I think it's fair to extrapolate it to being a competitive athlete. It's selfish. Mm -hmm. And can that be I mean, uh, perhaps it's one of those things that you're talking about. It's it's more acceptable for a man to go spend however many hours at the gym I did. Ask my wife, you know, (laughs) when uh, there was a you know, there was some heated discussions about the time I spent at the gym when I was competing. It's perhaps more acceptable for a man to do that.
1: It, it seems to be... That does seem to be the case. Women will come in um, and they're willing to do, you know, classes one or two days a week or their own running, things like that, if they want to be athletic. Right. But to have dedicated two hours a week, four or five times a week that's kind of exceptional. That's sort of seen like, well, what isn't getting done because you're at the gym, right? And sort of the assumption that, you know. um, So you're
0: kind of in a double bind.
1: Very much, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm fortunate that, um, you know, I I found a partner, you know, 25 years ago, um, who sees in me the importance of that time, right. and has never made the assumption that because I carry the uterus, I carry the grocery list in it, right like he is as adept at the household mm. responsibilities as I am. I wish he <laughs> would would take a couple hours for himself mm. several times a week, but
0: you had made a, a comment earlier that really resonated with me, you know um, people pointing out. Uh, the way your body is different, making remarks about the size and shape of your body. Mm-hmm. What is it like for you in those moments?
1: Um, it was when I was younger more common so it seemed easier um, as is the nature for I'm sure most young women.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I've always had you know, uh, a pretty broad back and Good arms, certainly not as, um, you know, I came into CrossFit in my late 30s. Things got a, a little bit more serious then, let's say. Um, but I even did weight training in high school. You did? I did. I was on the powerlifting team. I needed a gym credit, and it was the 80s. I'd be damned if I'd get in the pool, is all I'm going to say. The hair would not have survived. So,
0: um, I think I might have seen one.
1: <laughs> there is an Instagram photo yeah. out there. You have. Uh- really Ed, I love metal bands I'm just gonna say
0: just uh, use your imagination <laughs> five listeners <laughs>
1: um, I think that as I got older the uh, novelty of it picked up mm-hmm. right um, it was a novelty when I was in high school because I was still very small I'll be honest I, I was in the 105 pound weight class for power lifting I wasn't a big girl by any stretch, um, but I was the novelty in the weight room in the late 80s, early 90s, and um, some time waned <laughs> as I went into uh, after-college life, and the novelty picked back up. So now it's it's more of um, the odd point rather than, you know, it's more of a circus <laughs> um,
0: Circus. Well,
1: sort of like because it stands out, yeah. right? So people feel free to comment on it.
0: Yeah. This is where you know there's a there's some intersectionality between your experience and the experience of like I, myself. Like, people will point out how you look. And. Uh, um, do you ever find that people will touch your body? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um,
0: like touch the parts of the body they They think are different.
1: Yes. They want to see if my arms are solid right. or not. Yes. Um, and, you know, for, for the five listeners, right, I am not, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger by any stretch. Mm-hmm. I am not a, a giant woman. I am not super cut. Um, but I have enough definition that, yeah, people want to, poke it Mm. it's it's a little weird yeah it's it's a little weird on the other hand some days i'll be honest i'm as vain as the next person i go like oh okay Mm -hmm. well uh, my work is being recognized that feels good yes but don't touch me
0: (laughs) i think you hit the nail on the head (laughs) that's very interesting you said that i can't remember I think, like, I'm, as I'm trying to recall personally, I'm trying to remember a time where, like, I wished I was comfortable with it, but I don't think I've ever been comfortable with that. No. And it's really paradoxical.
1: I, I worry about a time when I get comfortable with it because that means other things
0: you are so? probably
1: wrong with me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a... Uh, maybe, like, a, an acceptable level of vanity, hmm. you know, where you, you want to look good you know you want to look good um and but there's something you know there's something interesting about um people's behavior around you when you look a little bit different and, and you're you're more muscular that they i'm I, you know i've never actually had a conversation about this but like i'm just wondering what that's about that they like that's want to get technical here that's like almost like a boundary violation absolutely right hey you know it's gonna gonna go right in here
1: (laughs) it reminds me of a hundred years ago when i was pregnant right people want to touch a pregnant woman's belly yes yeah
0: um
1: without permission sometimes yeah and if it's someone you know and trust and love and and it isn't going to be the circus act Mm
0: -hmm. that might
1: feel very different
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um you know my teammates can Poke my shoulders all day long. I don't care. Yes. Right, um, random woman that I just met at a dinner party. Not so much.
0: Yes. That makes a lot of sense, and, and I do. I, I wonder, and this is maybe you know for for this podcast, like what, what's it about? Like, is that a is that like a, uh, is that like a power thing? Right. You know to 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 poke you and touch you and approach you in a way where it's like a circusy thing like you're a freak right? what does that what does that do to the sense of power and a dynamic?
1: That's an interesting question. My gut reply is when it comes for men it, it's a power thing mm. right um, It is a novelty for them. When women do it to me sometimes it's an admiration thing right and they want to have a conversation yes. and I'm always willing to entertain conversations yeah. right. I pretend I'm running for mayor, right? I talk to people way too much, and <laughs> I will invite them to train and to have a conversation and to answer whatever questions they have. And so if you're approaching me in sort of a like, oh, wow, I, I would love to know how you did that and in a real like learning stance and not um, mockery, I'll entertain that all day long. And that doesn't seem like power. Mm -hmm. Um, It's generally from women, either ew, in which case they're not gonna touch me. Wow. Uh, Or um, curiosity.
0: Mm -hmm. I can vibe with that for sure, for sure just rolling through my memory Rolodex to see if that fits your experience and I would, I would argue yeah okay, uh, it fits mine as well you know one of the topics we talked about beforehand which we are um, leaning into is is body image mm. as a so you, you are a weight lifting athlete which is a um, it's not a physique sport but it's a sport where weight is a, is a big factor yes. it's a huge factor yes um, you know what has it been like you know for your own sense of body image has that even played a role at all in your journey into it beginning it and where you are now
1: it it has so I've been competitively weightlifting for probably six Six years now, going on six years. And um, I was slightly heavier than I am right now when I started. So, two weight classes up from where I usually compete. And I was in good shape. I was a CrossFit athlete, I, you know. Um, but I realized that my strength to weight ratio wasn't all that great. Mm-hmm. And so that competitive drive in me was what originally fueled my desire to drop a weight class or two. Um, And then it became um, aesthetically rewarding, right? Like, who doesn't want to have abs? It was great. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And my strength took then, you know, there was uh, diminishing returns at a certain point, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was able to maintain my strength initially. But now that I've been riding in a weight class that is pretty small for a woman of my height, um, it's having an impact on my strength. So I had to... Do you mean make, to
0: tell me you can't lose weight and gain strength uh, at the same time?
1: I, you can for a very short amount of time. It worked. It worked. I had my best, strongest lifts ever mm-hmm. um, at a ridiculous... Um, but it's not sustainable Mm -mm. you can't continue to progress and now I've found it's uh it's very hard to even meet. like if I hit my openers now I would be so thrilled I can't even hit my openers at this point um so I had to make a decision about uh aesthetics versus strength Mm -hmm. and what that's going to mean for me competitively yes so uh, I'm I'm Going to sadly say goodbye to my abs, in hopes that I gain a butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it's just
0: a that d- needs to be a meme. It re- that really needs to be a meme. <laughs> I mean that needs. So if anyone's listening from like caffeine and kilos, <laughs> or uh, what are the it's other merch? Yeah, yeah. This is you can you know talk to us about this merch idea. Sounds fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's um, so. It- it has been difficult. That was a harder decision for me than I anticipated. Yep. Um, because, you know, I'd always joke, and, you know, um, uh, my former coach, Gary Valentine, would always say to me um, that he wanted me to get bigger. He wanted me to get bigger. And I would say, ah, I really like my clothes. Like, <laughs> I was really invested in, um, in staying the same size mm-hmm. for a long time. And um, my current coach, Derek, is... Um, willing to go along with whatever makes me happy, which is very smart so i've decided after some hemming and hawing that yeah you know, I think my body's getting a little broken staying so lean and training heavy over and over and over again i'm not twenty five right i'll I'll be forty nine this fall and so i don't want to walk with a limp because my hip always hurts I don't want to um you know create some problems because I I don't have enough body fat Mm -hmm. um so deciding to increase my weight and just sort of tune into what my body needs rather than what my vanity dictates Mm -hmm. was a difficult decision for me. But, um, and I wouldn't say it's exactly panning out, right. I'm not noticing because, you know, I I had that extra ice cream Sunday that my weight, uh, you know, my, I, I PR'd anything. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't, Mm -hmm. I have been a little bit happier. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Ice cream is so good. It's so good. I
0: just spent a hundred dollars on ice cream.
1: And this is why we're friends. Very good. Ooh, that's there you pretty go. good. I like yep. that. Wow. Yep.
0: Fun fact. Hmm.
1: Okay. We're going to have a side note later. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... But people don't understand why I would make that change, right? Like, I Who's have... people? Well, um, friends, yep. uh, uh, other non-competitive athletes mm-hmm. who will say, like, why are you intentionally, like losing what you worked so hard for uh, meaning just the aesthetic of you know abs Um, and so that seems a little odd to people right Mm -hmm. to choose to get heavier Mm -hmm. at my age um, because it if I change my mind it's not going to be so easy to lose in my 50s um, you know
0: what was it like to have abs
1: it was glorious, Pete. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie; it was really nice.
0: That's interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. I, uh, I decided last year as my New Year's resolution I was gonna get abs for the first time. Oh. And I got them.
1: Yeah, how long?
0: Uh, I, had them for. Maybe like couple couple months. Like three months. Mm. Not, what not I worth it?
1: Nope.
0: Mm. Nope.
1: You gotta be super lean. Nobody cared. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cared. Nope.
0: Nope. What's that Jim Carrey thing he talks about? He says, uh, I hope one day everyone gets rich and famous so that they realize that, um, it's not what it's cracked up to be.
1: <laughs> you know?
0: It's not gonna give you, uh... It's not gonna bestow upon you this kind of like oh, oh I feel good in my body. There's now. an
1: accolade yeah. of yeah, there's not some big ab award that yes. you get. No. No. no.
0: no. No. No, nobody cares. Nope. No. But I'm glad it was good for you.
1: It was nice. It was a nice little period of my life. Yeah.
0: That's great. Yeah. Uh, um. We were we were talking about the, the body image stuff. Mm. I mean we can transition out of that. Um one of the questions that it's going to feel very scripted but um one of my most one of the posts i had on on instagram is about like your truth as an athlete Mm. what's your like what's your truth um I, i know for me that has changed drastically over the past four years um has that has it looked different throughout your competitive career
1: it has so when i started this sport i started it purely to spend time with a woman i adored uh vivian dawson who who passed uh, a few years back and so i was just i was a labrador retriever of lifters i was just happy to be here and i didn't care i would do whatever the coach told me to do i would sign up for every meet i was just happy to be here and look like fool and believe me, I, I very much looked like a fool.
0: Because you were hanging out with your best buddy.
1: I was, yeah, we were just having a good time. There was no pressure. She was going to be, you know, she ended up with Silver at Worlds, and I would applaud her, and, you know, I would not. <laughs> I was not on her level. Um, and then I started to take it a little bit more seriously, because she would she would give me shit. She would say like, "Listen, you could if you tried a little bit, you know. If you stopped doing CrossFit and just weightlifted, you could see that you're really you could be good at this." Mm-hmm. I just want to have fun. Yeah. Uh, and then when she passed, I made the mistake of carrying her legacy for a few years. And the um, the responsibility. I almost said burden. But I want to say the responsibility of making sure that her spirit was with me. And so she was a winner, so I damn well better win, Mm. right? So that was something that I internalized for a long time. And it took the joy out of competing for me. It took out... um,
0: Like if I'm not winning, I'm not not honoring her.
1: I'm not, right. Not a good friend. I'm not, that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt. Like if I'm going to be here for her, well... (laughs) <laughs> she didn't lose. So, I can't lose. Yeah. Um and once that behavior started to be rewarded in mm. winning.
0: Yeah.
1: It was super hard to let go of oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> um
1: winning is a drug.
0: Yeah. Um, yes it is. And
1: yeah, it's really hard to go through withdrawing that. Yes it, yes it is. <laughs> uh, um <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I felt that even a little bit this year um, with having nationals online, which was weird. Um, I came in. I Horrible, horrible. I think I went two for six. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I was no longer hitting my traditional. It was a struggle to hit my openers.
0: So just for people who aren't you know, experienced weightlifters or aren't in that community and openers, what you will choose to hit. So in weightlifting, you get three attempts at hitting your max clean and jerk and then three attempts at hitting a max snatch. Mm -hmm. Your opener is what you choose on the first. Correct. Right.
1: So, um, it was very, very challenging to me to, to struggle so much. And I came in fourth, which, you know, let's take a, a moment of perspective. I'd come in fourth the year before. Mm. Um, and that was a bitter place cause it was just short of something shiny.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Which was really difficult. Um, and this year to not even, but I was proud of like, I was excited to be there. I was still like, I felt like I had done something Yeah, and I had higher hopes for this year. Yep. Um, and to do, um, more poorly than I expected right now I don't think my total was what it was last year Mm -hmm. so it was very hard on me to not um, so
0: psychologically it was it was a it was an L in the column
1: it absolutely was fourth was nothing I might as well not I don't even think I posted about it it was not exciting to me at all to place fourth in the country that is ridiculous that is absolutely ridiculous and I recognize that so I had a little bit of a moment of like what am I really doing? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, that's just silly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Was, you know, if I'm going to carry Vivian Dawson with me, is it going to be the spirit of, we had fun and it was goofy and we spent hours together every Sunday driving to Wilton, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can still bring Vivian with me in that way. It doesn't have to be I have to be the next Vivian Dawson. Yep. Right. So, sort of shifting my mindset a little bit um, has has been probably very, very good for me. I have a hard time in a busy gym still. Yeah. Um, because I, I can get very in my head.
0: Your initial truth was, I want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Then it shifted to, I want to win. I want to win for Vivian. Mm-hmm. This is how I preserve my relationship with her. Yes. What's it now?
1: Um, I think now it is closer to... <sighs> ...celebrating that I am at an age where I can do these things, and that's remarkable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sort of yeah. seeing the positive, like just showing up regularly is something that a lot of folks can't find the ability to do. And that is a victory. And that is, so
0: that's very well said. Okay, thank you. I, I
1: try to try to think of myself, um, with more compassion than I used to.
0: This, you know, this conversation, um, is wakes up a um something i'm i'm passionate about and and when i work with athletes is no one teaches us how to lose
1: no no
0: no it's uh and, and the i think that's unique for every competitive athlete you know especially when you start to climb towards the top what what it means to lose uh what it's like to lose what 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 do they feel like they have riding on it um but it's it's it is a it is a really important art because how many people were competing in your category?
1: Mm, I don't know because it was online. Okay. I don't I don't even remember. I 10, didn't 20, even 20 30? Probably not that many. Okay. So um in the in the national circuit, you know, there's there's a uh, not that many people that will go. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But, you know, locally, you know, I'm, I'm competing with, you know, 14 year olds all the way up to whoever happens to be in my weight class,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: regardless of their age. I
0: I guess what I was asking is, you know, are, are the people who place out of the top three? uh, 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 So when you lose your emotion tells you that you're what?
1: Um, my initial reaction that I, I suck. I should not be doing this at all. What am I, I'm wasting all these hours. That's exactly
0: right. Yeah. And, uh, I think I've, I've certainly experienced that. I think that's, that's pretty much what it's like Mm. because athletes aren't taught how to navigate disappointment, right? When, when you do fail or you do lose, um, how, how do you navigate that experience? And, um, you know when when we first start confronting this pattern this tendency it's not going to disappear it's not going to go away You're, you know mm-hmm. the next time you, you know, hopefully you don't place fourth guess but you know uh, if there were to be a competition and you need to placed outside of what you hoped mm-hmm. you know uh, that's that's going to be there right so how do you how do you relate to it differently right uh, I think is the challenge
1: yeah um yeah, I've had since since Nationals there was a meet um a local meet in New Haven and uh generally I'll place at least top 3 in the open category um meaning everybody yep. in that weight class. And I I don't think I I don't think I got a podium spot this time. Um and you know, so just starting to like You know, what I'll usually say, it's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, because that's my go-to. I'm fine. Everything is fine. I'm fine. Don't ask questions. Don't poke at it. Uh, I'm
0: on the other end. Are you? (laughs) You ask me on a day, uh, well, I I guess this is maybe a skill, depending, but it could could converge on something else. Um, I had someone ask me the other day, so, like, what do you do when, like, you're tired and grumpy, like, and someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm tired, I'm grumpy. Excellent. Right, i
1: I've been working on it. Yeah. So I've been saying, uh, you know, I'm disappointed or I'm sad, but I'm okay. Yes. So I have to...
0: Yeah.
1: Emotionally, I still have to add that component of, like, you don't need to come any closer. Right? That's what yes. the I'm okay is. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll get to leaving that off at some point. Someday. That's I will really, grow up to be Pete Luccio.
0: I'm pretty sure I'd say I'm okay. I'm, Do you? Yeah. <laughs> because the other Because when, when you share... The natural reflex of a person when you share, I, I'm sad or disappointed, is to fix. Yeah. Right? Versus just like, I understand. Right. And for all the parents out there uh, who listening of young athletes, that's what you can say to your athletes after they lose. I mean, it's not... It's not. Uh, it's when you get in the car and you're headed home, that's not the opportunity to. Uh, to do the play-by-play breakdown oh. of... All the things that didn't go your way. Right? Yes. That's the opportunity to say, hey, great effort. Right. What do you want to do? You want to grab a burger? You know? Yeah.
1: I just had a... So what, would, what would
0: feel helpful?
1: <laughs> That's so funny you say that. I had a conversation with a, a parent. I'm a, a therapist in private practice. And I had a conversation with a parent just the other day. The frustration around... Uh, their child getting completely dysregulated after losing um, a game and I suggested that perhaps instead of listing the chores that had to be done or doing the play-by-play this isn't a this
0: isn't a video but if you just saw my face
1: (laughs) uh that they could just ask the child like what would like what would help you right now? Should I pull over and you can scream like a lunatic at the frustration for 90 seconds? I give you until a neighbor opens their blinds and calls the police. Right. Or do you want to just listen to music? Like what, what would help you feel better?
0: Because what, because when you do, you know, so for example, when, when the parent does after the event does listen, here's what we got to do. We got to, uh, this, that, and the other. What does it communicate to the child? Doesn't matter. what you feel. Doesn't matter. And there's no space for what you feel. Um, you know when when a parent goes to the you know um, the play by play right after mm-hmm. an event. There's many things a child could walk away with. My best wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's a trap for choking. Absolutely. Right? Because you know there it it's all instead of a a, a like a. Like a place to stand, it always feels like it's slipping, mm. right? Because best could change versus best is best,
1: right?
0: Um, I'm not, and I'm I'm not sh- sharing this story as a. Hopefully, it doesn't sound like me patting myself in the back, but I decided to do the open this year. You know, love, still mm-hmm. still love my CrossFits.
1: I did too. Yeah,
0: yeah, you did too. I did too. Did you have fun? I did. Good. I did uh, I thought it was an interesting opportunity to find this middle ground between competing quote mm-hmm. in quotes and like meeting myself where I'm at which is you trained in a basement for a year and a half using dumbbells and, uh, <laughs> and a concept <Constant laughs> no two bike and you know you have pain in most of the joints in your body so let's
1: so let's see how that let's hang how clean goes. goes.
0: Let's see how that hang clean goes. That went well, actually. The third workout went, went pretty well, other than I hadn't done a, bun, a bar muscle-up in, in a year. <laughs> so that, that didn't go so well. But um, I said to myself at the beginning, uh, you are not going to repeat any of the workouts. So if anyone knows anything, you know, for, for the five listeners, probably one of you does CrossFit. Um, you know that if you want to do well in the open, you must repeat the workout you Absolutely. must repeat it you know Learn of course from your mistake right so gym owners will say there's no reason for you to repeat it outside of if you want to do well in the open you must repeat it and um, uh, it was like what is it like the temptations jesus got in the desert or something like that <laughs> i would post, i would do the workout be like all oh, be feel, feel good about my effort and, uh, my, my ranking would just plummet, oh. would plummet. And, um, and you know, my goal, my goal with it was to A, not redo a workout, mm-hmm. which I accomplished. B, qualify for the quarterfinals. Okay. So you have to place in the 90th percentile. Oof! I placed in the 89th.
1: <gasps> Fourth place.
0: Right. Fourth place. Oh. Fourth place. Goodness. And, uh why am I sharing that, right, it was, I guess it was me trying to live my values, mm-hmm. you got to, mm-hmm. you gotta learn, how to um, you gotta learn how to lose, you got to learn how to lose, if you're going to walk around telling people you got to learn how to lose, you got to learn how to lose, and, uh, you know, did it sting? Of course it did, sure. you know, of course it was, of course it was disappointing, um, but again, you know, it's, Why am I sharing that? Because um, after the sting wears off, it's it's all an opportunity to to learn something, you know, to learn something. You can, you know, with poor sleep and being a full time whatever you do, you can still go do your best. Is it the best? Is it the best you had four years ago? No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of close, but it's not. It's not, and that's okay.
1: 89th percentile is not
0: bad it's not bad there's a part there's a part of me that's like that that it's like i isn't ready to hear that oh, okay and there's a part of me that's like yeah yeah you know i mean essentially you just told me the same thing so i'm gonna throw it back exactly at you. i deserve <laughs> it i deserve it you know uh the other question that and this is you know if this was like one of those uh do you ever listen to, like, the Tim Ferriss podcast? Or like, podcasts where they have a question they ask oh, every yes. guest? Yes. Right. So this would be mine. Okay. What were the hardest parts about, like, the, the hardest experiences you had competing? Like, the hardest, the hardest things you had to go through, and how did you, you get through it, and what did you learn?
1: Um, I think the hardest part for me... Was coming back from an injury. Uh, this was a few years ago, maybe, God, maybe three years ago now. Um, and feeling the burden of uh, carrying my friend with me. And wondering if I was ever going to really be a competitor again. Um, and I made the mistake of training through it. And being fired up by my training partner who at that point was about half my age Mm -hmm. um and being incredibly stubborn and so on one side i'm proud of my my resolve right my dedication my like i'm gonna put my head down and just keep driving forward um and on the other hand, I wonder about what real progress got hampered. Yes. Um, because I didn't approach it intelligently, right? Yeah. I let my my own stubborn <laughs> resolve get in the way. Um, but that also, one of the things that I, I am pretty good at, because I pretend like I'm right, running for mayor, is I try to make connections all the time. I try and introduce myself to people. I try and make friends. I try and understand more in a broader sense. So I reached out to you. We had a conversation and a beer once upon a time. Uh, I made um, a great friend uh, who owns a gym in, in Providence. I talked more um, with my coach uh, I, that was three years ago. That was probably three years oh ago. My Pete. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry to interrupt. It
1: was a while back. That's wild. And, um, that was the hardest part for me coming back.
0: What was it like for you to be injured?
1: It. It was a giant ego swallow, um, and it was also the realization that I'm not 25 anymore.
0: So, um, you, mm, were f- frustrated? Very much. Yep. Um,
1: you know, and so I am not above, like, swearing and slamming a barbell down and, like, <laughs> pitching a small fit. I'm uh, not above it.
0: I've probably done it. <laughs> I think I've, um, I can remember at least one occasion where yeah. I've done it. Yeah.
1: I I don't, you know, um, I try not to do it frequently. But, yeah, I got very frustrated. Yeah. And that was the only way you were going to see it. Because I would put on the smile. I'd be like, everything is fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But there was so much self-doubt getting in between me and why I was actually doing this in the first place, right? So, um yeah, that was... So, the people who knew me well would know I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. Everybody else would be like, oh, no, she's just... She's going to work through it. She's just determined.
0: And they would know by... just having a sense of what your mannerisms were. Yeah. Like, how you carried yourself. That's why it's, it's good to have a coach who knows you. It is. Um, uh, this is, you know... Uh, I'm going to try to make this sound, not sound leading, um, but there's a reason for it. Did you grieve when you got hurt?
1: Um, not as much as I should have.
0: Uh, is that why you pushed through the pain? Yes,
1: yeah. because then I would have to actually accept that that was what was happening. Yes. You know. Meanwhile, I'll just go to another PT. I'll try dry needling. I'll try... Bikram yoga, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. Yes. Um,
0: you know. I guess one of the main reasons I do this podcast is for conversations like we're having. So, you know, if today or another day that some athlete is listening to this, that they can learn from your experience. And I've, I've done the exact same thing. Mm. This is the reason that, you know, my body hurts when I wake up is because I did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And if there's a way that I can spare or, or you know, any other athlete from experiencing that, mm-hmm. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. I agree. That you can, you can get the end result you want. You can get back to competing or you can whatever and, and not have to be, uh, have to have things hurt. Yeah. Um. Another public service announcement for athletes, Um, don't train or compete through pain. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that.
1: Right. I I would say there are very few situations where it makes sense to do that. If you are headed to the Olympics. Yes. Okay. Yep. Sure. Right. But, you know, I'm a big fan of saying, like, you know, when people are getting frustrated with them over and over in in the weight room, you know, I'll say, none of us here are going to the Olympics right like It it's okay
0: yep yep
1: you're still worthy of love you don't have to I you know that part I leave for my my closest but uh <laughs> but you know people lose perspective when yep. it comes to competition
0: yes they do yes they do it's that uh it's a it's a hard I mean unless you're kind of doing it it's hard to explain there's like a um I mean for every athlete it's different you know there could there could be just the sheer momentum of competing and and not wanting to break that but there's also kind of like i've heard other people describe it as um it's like an anxiety of mm. uh well, what, what, what will happen if i actually take a step back for a couple of months
1: well
0: everyone's gonna pass me by
1: such a part of of my identity has been caught up in being a weightlifter and teammate. And, you know, if I step out, will I be welcome back when I'm ready? What if, you know, what if I've missed out on, you know, whatever social movement happens within a dynamic of 10, 12 people, right? Yeah. Mood shift, you you miss two months, you come back, things are different. Yes. Right? Because people evolve over just even a short time. Yep. Right my training partner might start training with somebody else, you know, then where am I going to be? So it, it becomes, especially when it's, you're in, you know, a very large chunk of your social life, which if you're training a couple hours a day, three, four, five times a week, it is.
0: Yes. And that, and I think that that's, uh, that's inevitable. That's inevitable. Um, there was, a. Uh, When um when I got trained in hypnosis um, I volunteered to get hypnotized in front of the class and um. That's me growing up, by the way. I would have never done that in the past. Hmm. Um. And uh, the the psychologist that hypnotized me is David Patterson, you know, just. All star out. It was one of those people who's like. You meet them and they're a master right? okay. they're a master at doing this and um and so the i was trained in hypnosis for pain and then you know when you do it before you do the exercise you ask the peop you ask the you know the person you're doing it with like why are we doing this and what do you think's going on and you know i told him i had this you know intractable pain in my body and i'm a competitive athlete um he says all right so we're gonna do this and uh I was very hypnotized. I went into, I, I definitely went into a trance. Not like a deep trance where you don't recall anything, sure. but like somewhere in the middle. And uh, he, he shared this concept with me uh, during the exercise. And it was called uh, the big eye and the little eyes. You ever heard of this? No. This is what I share with all my athletes. And, and even when I do talks at colleges, I share this um the little eyes, so i identity right the little lies are what we do right mm-hmm. um i'm a dad i'm a psychologist i you know i do an, i'm a fitnesser i guess i don't know if you would call it that i i, I do enjoy fitness you are a weightlifter mm-hmm. you are a therapist you're a, probably a bunch of other things i'm not aware of these are the little lies they are roles. Mm. The big I is this. Uh, and we can, we can do it right now. If it's All okay. right. So, Jen, um, who, um, Jen, who knows you most in this world?
1: I feel like if I don't say my husband, I'm going to be in big trouble. So I'll say my husband. Your
0: husband. So if he was sitting here in that chair and I asked him, what do you love most about your wife? Mm-hmm. What would he say? My friendliness. Okay. Uh,
1: my compassion. Yep. Uh, my sense of humor, okay, um, and um, he would probably say my mothering.
0: You're a great mom. I, think I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> so the so one of the purposes of this exercise is he didn't say you're a great weightlifter.
1: No. No. No, as much as he brags about it, I don't think that's what he would say. No, that's not why he loves me. You're right.
0: And are there perhaps cases where a person might? love somebody for their athletic prowess, sure, but you know, nine out of ten times when I do this exercise with people, they, you know, and you know, the little role play, that other person, that significant other, they don't love you as the athlete because you're an athlete. Uh, the things that the people who mean most of you, most to you, love about you, have usually have nothing to do with being really good at being an athlete. And, you know, what Dr. Patterson, David Patterson, you know, he, he, he mentioned this is, that's who you've always been.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, what would it mean for an athlete to orient themselves to that versus some of the little eyes. I mean maybe not even as an, as an athlete, but as a person, as a person. What, what happens what happens as a person when you start to invest more into the um, I guess you could call them traits right Traits are stable mm. that in some ways we're just kind of born with this and this is this is who we are this is who you are this is this is who I am you know when I do that exercise for myself my wife doesn't care that I lift weights she just wants me to be happy and she knows that part of that is going to the basement you know and lifting weights sometimes but um that's that's not what she loves about me Mm. um we do not teach athletes this and where really becomes a problem is when as athletes we have to consider transitioning out we have to consider you know hanging up the uh the cleats or the uh the lifters or you know whatever you're wearing um because it really, I mean, it is like an identity crisis. But then it really, and then, but it can really be very dysregulating when, like, you're you're all bought into that little lie, right? Which there are some really good podcasts out there on this. You know, uh, one of them I listen to is I Am Athlete. It's a, it's like retired NFL athletes, oh. and they and they have their significant others on. But what they'll talk about and every athlete needs to entertain even at the highest level. If you if by chance you make it as a professional, what percentage of your life are you competing as a professional? Right. It's a very small. Very small. Very, very small. And then you have the whole rest of your life. Who are you then? Right. The former athlete. Yeah. I'm a former <laughs> athlete. Right. Right? No. versus that, you know. There are other really great things. And, you, and, it, and it doesn't, I, I'm also not stating that, I'm not trying to insinuate that there's something wrong with it, right? No. That, that it's natural. And it's also, though, a way that we can help ourselves when it's our time. Um, and I also think that orienting yourself to that while you're competing can have a lot of benefits. Because, you know, if if you, you know, if you place in the 89th percentile, if you take fourth, um, you don't podium and that part of you, you know, wakes up and says, ah, you suck. You're a loser. You're a failure. You can meet that with, no, no, because I'm these things, I'm these things, you know, that, that big eye stuff, you know that no one can take that away from me. Maybe I, you know, yeah, okay, so I didn't compete well today. All right, whatever. Or, you know, things didn't go well. Okay, you know, that's all right. That's all right. And that that all right, not only is that like, of course that takes practice, like that this is all an act of compassion sure. to even be willing to access a, the big I. Um but yeah, it's it's it can be like kind of like our parachute when shit hits the fan, you know, things don't go the way you want, which are for most athletes what it's going to be like. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. Most only... of the
0: teams in your league or most of the athletes in the league aren't making it to the finals.
1: Generally not, right? Every kid that starts a high school sport, yeah. you know, has hope that they're going to be the one. Yeah. Um, and the odds are very very small. Yeah. So, you know, I trying to approach where do you want to be when this is done is a, you know, sort of a, a great mindset. You know, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it was part of my parenting philosophy. Like, what sort of adult do I want to see you turn into? Yes. Um, that's what you're fostering in childhood, right? So that same approach to the life cycle of an athlete, to what do you want to be at the end of this? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be broken? Do you want to leave everything on the field and there's nothing left of you? Well, all that is valid. If that's a conscious choice and what you actually want, Yeah. Uh, then what steps are going to get you there? I would hope being broken or, you know, there's nothing left of you isn't, uh, you know, again, unless you're going to the Olympics, it's probably not the mindset you want to approach your day-to-day right athletic career
0: yep um uh, one of the interesting things i, I got into during the uh, pandemic was i got really into professional wrestling oh but not so let me just clarify and there's nothing wrong watching professional wrestling um not like watching on tv but the whole stories of these people's lives it is the most I find it to be one of the most interesting things out there um that it's actually interestingly um like the lives like the characters you'll see in professional wrestling are actually a lot like some of the people I've met while playing rugby it's very interesting hmm. people um and uh so I guess that's a segue to there's this really good documentary called Dark Side of the Ring, it's on Vice and it talks about like, all these wild stories that are specific to the lives and the end of the lives of a lot of professional wrestlers and you see that a lot in professional wrestling like you talked about and these are athletes yep. Right. Yep. You know, and, and, uh, and I've come to believe this the more I learn that it is scripted but not fake is scripted, but not fake, right? Mm. When you, to use, you know, pro less pro wrestling language, when you take a bump, right, when you fall from the top rope onto a cement floor. You're actually, you're still falling. You're still falling. <laughs> um, these, you know, these athletes, a lot of them die of drug overdoses in a hotel room all alone because that was the way that they lived. They, the way that they lived was like, I am, I'm going to, Burn the MF M- and wheels off this car, and that's the way it's going to end right and there's probably unfortunately a dozen or more stories like this, and you yeah. see it in other professional sports too right you know Absolutely. This, you know um, I often wonder how much of this kind of like big eye little eye stuff plays a role in when you see athletes competing. Past, when it's pretty clear they should be stopping, right? That it's. Yeah.
1: And they're sort of in the ruining their legacy. Yeah. Era.
0: Yeah, right. You know. Um, yeah, that's a that's a thought that I have. Hmm. Um, anything else you want to touch on, Jen? Before we wrap up here.
1: Not that we have the time to cover, my friend.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank
1: you. I'm
0: really glad you said yes to the invitation. <laughs> Thanks and, for And um, I'd be more than willing to have you on again if you'd be interested in it. I'd love it. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Pete.